Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership. Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. In recent episodes of the ESOP and EO Podcast, I've been speaking about differences between employee-owned companies, ESOPs, and regular companies. I've looked at WeWorks and Grubhub and Under Armour and Casper Mattresses and have drawn distinctions between those types of businesses and employee-owned companies. In my seven years as an ESOP trustee and in the time doing this podcast, we often get questions about whether an employee-owned company can take certain actions or do certain things. One of the questions that comes up repeatedly is related to capital expenditures and share price. Another question that comes up quite frequently relates to whether ESOPs can own real estate, and we draw the distinction between the trust that owns the shares and an employee-owned company. And then finally, as a tie-in, Rich Heater explains what a prohibited transaction is. To get this episode, I've gone back to our archives. It was originally part of episode 40. You can go back, hear the full episode. There are some additional questions. And I remain grateful to my partner, Rich Heater at Capital Trustees, and my son, Brian Kiesling, who was producer at the time. He'll ask the questions. I hope you find this episode informative. Feel free to check the entire archive at episode 40, which is available on theesoppodcast.com. With that, we go about 18 months into the past with Rich Heater and Brian Kiesling and myself. Hope you enjoy. My company wants to make a $3 million capital expenditure that we think will result in a lot of new business. But if we take on debt to finance the plans, the share price will decrease. Can management make certain decisions even though they know it will result in a decreased value? Yes. Brian, this is a question that comes up quite frequently, and we think it is an important question. And where the confusion comes in is what is meant by the duty to uh, preserve share value uh, or protect it and that sort of thing. And generally speaking, businesses all the time are going to come up with expansion plans. And where the confusion in employee-owned companies uh, seems to be is that if you take on debt and it's going to result in a reduction in the share price, is it appropriate or are you undercutting the uh, share price among the employees? Further, it gets a little bit complicated. Let's say that uh, you take, I think the question had a $3 million example, and you make this expenditure a year or two before someone's going to retire, the share price uh, gets decreased as a result of the ongoing debt, and someone just coincidentally is retiring during that decreased share price, is that, uh, quote-unquote, unfair to that participant? And one of the things that we have to do is remember that before employee-owned companies are ESOPs, they're companies, they're businesses. And there are all kinds of decisions that businesses are going to make that may have an effect on share price, but the share price is a temporary barometer to a long-term picture. So if 
you are a manufacturing company and you come to us as the trustee and you don't have to come to us as trustee. I'm just saying that if you did and said, hey, we want to make this $3 million investment and over the course of 10 years, we think it's going to bring us $10 million worth of, of, of return on the investment through increased sales and increased productivity, et cetera. But there's going to be a couple of years share uh, price decrease because of the debt our response is going to be, by all means, make that investment. It's a solid business investment, and the fact that there's a couple of years where there will be an increase in share value is necessary. Otherwise, you avoid the decrease in share value, but also avoid the increase that comes from that uh, capital expenditure. Rich, do you agree? No, that's a, that's a very good point. Where we come in and where we caution, and again, this is one of those outliers that I don't know that we've ever personally seen it with our clients, but management can't make a decision that is designed to decrease share price. So, for example, if a management uh, team is looking at a repurchase obligation problem or a diversification problem in terms of the costs of it, and they say, hey, if we borrow $3 million, it will depress the share price so that we don't have to you know, pay so much in repurchase obligations, we would shut that down in a heartbeat. That's not an appropriate use. But just decisions that are made in the regular course of business that are going to have an up and down effect, that's just business. Right. There's a lot of decisions that, that because of, as a result of the decision, it will impact share value many times temporarily. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's a little different when, when the company decides to make a decision to transact with other, you know, for additional shares, uh, let's say, with, with the ESOP. Because in that case, the, the value will go down if, if they're going to incur debt to do it, but there's not a corresponding uh, asset, per se, that, that's going to increase value or revenue, where in, in the example that was provided, it was a $3 million investment uh, of capital into the company for its operations, as opposed to $3 million of capital leaving the company for a retirement party, for a popular upper management, that would be problematic. Right. That's not what we're talking right. about here. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Our next question asks, uh, I've heard at conferences that ESOPs can't own real estate. Is this true? And if so, why would there be such a rule? This is one of the areas, Brian, that is born from confusion. And there are a couple of different components of the confusion. First off, we need to differentiate between the company and the trust. There's, Rich, can you explain uh, the qualified securities as it relates to what the trust can own? So it, in, in an ESOP, the plan is designed to predominantly hold uh, qualified employer securities. Uh, that is the common stock of the sponsoring company or preferred convertible stock sometimes but uh, uh, so but many times the trust will hold other assets uh, as part of the as part of the plan uh, such as cash uh, many times it will hold uh, it can hold into other individual stocks uh, as part of the diversification of the trust's holdings uh, once uh, 
uh, once all the stock has been has been allocated uh, in, in there and additional cash contributions have been made, uh, you, you want to invest that cash. So it will it will be invested in other other stocks. It could be mutual funds. It could be insurance. Just about anything that's a, an allowable investment of a of a retirement plan can can be held there. And real estate is one of those uh, assets. Whether or not it's a a good idea uh, is is another question. Uh, and, 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 and whether it should hold it uh, or not versus whether it can hold it and whether it should be at, at the trust level or should it be at the company level. And Rich, you and I have a little bit of a different view, uh, at least uh, until we meet in the middle. I happen to think that if a uh, founder of a company or a sole shareholder at a company would buy the property that we often see, uh, and there it's often set up in a different entity for liability reasons, legal reasons, tax reasons, whatever. Uh, but if it was good for an individual who is an owner, then it's good for ESOPs uh, as well. But there's a big caveat there. Let us say that you are a large insurance brokerage, and we happened a couple of years ago to sell one of these that, that was a fairly large company. And let's say that they had happened to own their real estate. Well, if they own a three- or four-story building that houses their company and the offices work from there, to me, that can be a very prudent way to avoid rent, et cetera, et cetera. If, on the other hand, this company that needs three or four floors worth of offices goes out and buys a 12-story building, now their landlord, now the value of the ESOP could go down because they don't have tenants, they don't have you know things that are completely unrelated to traditional operations. There, to me, it gets to be more spe- speculative than would be appropriate for an employee-owned company. Yeah, I think though, in one case, you're 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 talking about you know the the possibility of of exchanging um, having ownership in lieu of paying rent. So you have an asset offsetting what you would have paid. So it's going to kind of wash in your in your value many times, versus being as I think as you said as a landlord and having it being primarily an investment property. And we have, Rich, a, a couple of clients who have that scenario not prohibited, and our clients do it as well as they can. We just point out, if you, you take the example of the insurance brokerage, kind of taking you off your game, you know, that, that now you are a landlord with everything that entails. So there is no hard and fast prohibition from owning real estate. That is a uh, misnomer from the conferences that does come up. However, just because it's permissible does not make it a necessarily a good idea or a good idea in every circumstance. Right. I think it, it comes down to a, let's say, like, like most things uh, in, in life and in business, it's uh, facts and circumstances. Yep. All right, our next question is another one that gets straight to the point. What are prohibited transactions in relation to ESOPs? That's an interesting question. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a number of what's, what's determined to be uh, prohibited transactions, and there are certain exemptions as it, as it uh, 
from the uh, prohibited transaction rules as it pertains to ESOPs. The prohibited transactions are uh, put forth, uh, the, the rules are uh, by the IRS uh, and, and the penalties associated uh, with them uh, as well as the Department of Labor. So uh, prohibited transactions regards to ESOP include any direct or indirect sale, exchange, lending of money, extension of credit, various other transactions between a qualified plan, which is a what an ESOP is, and a, quote, disqualified person, which is a person with any uh, of certain relationships to the plan, such as a, an owner, selling shareholder, company director, that could be deemed to be a disqualified uh, person. So if you, you were to enter into a uh, prohibited transaction, uh, there's tax penalties associated with that. One of the uh, prohibited transactions uh, under ERISA is, uh, is a qualified retirement plan can't buy its own employer securities to be held in the, in the plan. However, ESOPs get an exemption from the, uh, from the prohibited transaction rules uh, which allows them uh, to purchase those employers' securities. Otherwise, it would it would have been uh, you wouldn't have ESOPs because obviously uh, ESOPs are designed to hold primarily employer securities. The other thing that you, uh, you that would result in a uh, prohibited transaction, and this is probably the one that we see the most of, is the uh, the overpayment uh, of of, of the purchase price uh, to a party of interest uh, in, a, in a transaction. So the majority owner uh, of a company that's going to do an ESOP transaction is determined, let's say in this case, uh, that the company is worth $5 million, decides to do a 100% uh, transaction, and during the course of, uh, of that transaction, based on uh, the valuation that's done on behalf of the uh, uh, of the fiduciary or the trustee in this case uh, it's determined that the value is eight million dollars uh, and the trustee enters into that agreement and pays the eight pays the eight million dollars for those sh- those shares and then ultimately upon investigation uh, or audit uh, it's determined that they, they overpaid for those shares uh, there was, you know, there could have been any number of errors uh, that were that were done uh, that, that the trustee relied upon to come up with that uh, with that number in their valuation uh, advisor, and it's determined that they overpaid by uh, by you know three million dollars in this case. Uh, that would result in a prohibited transaction. There would be penalties and fines uh, and excise taxes, and could could ultimately uh, cause the, the plan to become uh, disqualified in, in extreme cases. And who are those penalties and fines paid to? Is it the Department of Labor? If there was too much money paid in a transaction, does that get balanced out at all? How does that get dealt with? So there's, so there's, there's a couple different um, provisions. So there's 
the uh, the the excise tax is is paid uh, to the IRS uh, in the in the prohibited transaction guidelines. There are also depending upon what the what the the nature of that prohibited transaction is uh, can result in fines and penalties uh, and charges uh, by the uh, by the Department of Labor as well. So uh, it could be a multi uh, pronged uh, uh, penalty and, uh, and fines being assessed, uh, and uh, it can be assessed against uh, the trustee. It can be assessed against the, the company. Uh, it depends who was involved in uh, uh, in the transaction. So the uh, who the party of interest uh, was that did the transaction. So uh, prohibited transactions, not a good thing. Uh, that's why they're prohibited uh, because they're uh, trying to make sure that uh, everything is done in solely for the, uh, for the best interests of the, uh, of the participants and the beneficiaries as it, as it relates to an ESOP. All right, my friends, with that, we'll bring this episode to a close. Again, I appreciate Rich Heater and Brian Kiesling of Capital Trustees. If there's questions that you have about ESOPs specifically or employee ownership, please visit the ESOPpodcast.com. I'm very proud, particularly with ESOPs, that we've covered almost every issue possible. And if you do a search, you should be able to find something there. We're starting in the last six months to be as robust on employee ownership, but that's going to take a little bit of time. But we hope if you have questions, you'll visit our website or reach out and pose the questions to us. We're always looking for new things to talk about on the podcast. Here's Bitsy McCann to tell you how to contact us and to give the closing credits. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Kesop LLC and on Twitter at Aesop Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email brett at keysop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Keesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Keysop Group, technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design. Original music composed by Max Keesling. Archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Keesling. And I'm Bitsy McCann.